Welcome to the ministry of the International Christian Assembly in Southeast Spain. We are here for the purpose of worshipping God and reaching others with love. We pray that as you listen, you will be inspired and challenged in your walk with God. Good morning, everyone. The Sunday after Easter, um, it was my privilege to share the word, and I began by asking us a question. Now what? Yes, he resurrected. Yes, he came up from the grave. And now what? And then uh, we proceeded to work our way to what is known as this passage as the Great Commission. <clears throat> when I was in Bible school, it seemed like for uh, the, the years of Bible school, not in seminary, but in Bible school, it seemed like every week, and I might be exaggerating, but it seemed like every week some guest speaker, somebody was making reference to Matthew 19 and 20. He um, had, through one means or another, Come to learn every word, every phrase, every word, every jot, every tittle of uh, especially um, 18, 19, and 20. And, and I have to admit that in all of my years of pastoring, uh, maybe because I am a missionary, I've never preached on it. I realized that. I've always known that. I realize I've never preached on this passage, but this Easter when we were done, I thought, now what? You know, so what are we supposed to do now? The passage that we have just read is merely an echo of God's original intention. It isn't something that is uh, uh, only to the New Testament. It doesn't take it off thinking uh, for us to remember, for example, Abraham's calling. Would you remember Abraham's calling? Out of thee will come a seed, God said to him. And through that seed will all the families of the earth be blessed. To the nation of Israel... God said, declare his glory among the nations. First Chronicles 16, Psalm 96 say, his wonders among all the people. It doesn't take an awful lot of reading through the book of Isaiah 42, 43, 52, 66 in that book. We find the prophet here says he is telling the people to spread the message to the world. So it has always been God's desire to reach the world. To bring them to fellowship with himself. I want to remind you of a verse in 1 Timothy chapter 2 where it says this, God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. The heart of God has always been to reach 
gospel always to be to the world. And so the therefore and disciple all the nations is a continual echo of the Old Testament, of God, of his heart, of his desire. The word disciple here should draw our attention. It is a verb. It was in a verb form. And it carries the idea of a believer learner or a learning believer, a discipler. John chapter 8, verse 31. Let me throw this verse out to you. Jesus said these words. If you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciple. Think through that. You want to find scriptural basis for what are conditions? What is the condition of a Christian? What is the condition of a believer? What is the condition of a discipler? This is Jesus' words. If you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciple. The real disciple is the one who continues on in the learning of the word of God. God sent his son to seek, to save what was lost. Jesus sent the spirit for the purpose of empowering us as witnesses. Ye shall be my witnesses when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He said, and then Jesus sent us in John chapter 17. This is what Jesus in that high, holy, priestly prayer said, Father, as you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world and to save those who are lost. Let's pray. We'll see what God has for us in his word this morning. Father, any time and every time we come to this word, we bow our hearts, we open our ears, we submit our heart because we come to hear. We want to have ears to hear. Because, Father, we understand that this is the means by which you communicate to us as your spirit speaks your word into our hearts. So, Father, I pray you will speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. How do we make disciples of all the nations? Two weeks ago, I suggested to you that this passage has certain um, prerequisites to the disciple-making process. And we began to go through them. I gave you two. I suggested to you that the first of these prerequisites is, number one, to be available. To be available. 
Verse 16, we read that the apostles, the women, and these 500 disciples went to Galilee. Verse 16, they went to Galilee to a mount that Jesus had appointed to them. They were available. They were there where they were supposed to be. They were supposed to be in that place, and they showed up. And that's where it all starts. It starts with just being there. Saying something like, God, I, I don't know what it is or where it is, but, but I'm available. I'm here. You said to be here, I'm here. Here I am. I'm listening to your voice. I'm reading your word. I'm gathering with your people. Speak to me, Lord. I am available. I pray you never, ever stop saying to God, I am available. Does God need you? Well, that is a double-edged sword. He doesn't. Doesn't need me. But when I make myself available, he sure can use me. And guess who gets the privilege, the blessing? Who gets the reward? Well, the one that makes himself available. The second thing that we saw was worship. The second point, the second prerequisite was worship. Verse 17 when they got to this mount, it said that they saw him and they worshipped him. They fell on their faces prostrate, as it were, before him. So Some of them, it says, they doubted, but until he came near, remember we explained that, because they hadn't yet seen him after his resurrection, but when, they, when he came near, surely their doubts, their doubt was erased and they too worshipped. We suggested last time that it is necessary for one who would fully fulfill the Great Commission to have a heart of worship. For you see, all of their disappointment was instantly ended. They saw with their eyes, they turned in their unbelief and their joy turned into an emotion of worship because he was revealed. They saw the risen Christ and everything in them was born anew. 500 of them. Now uh, we come to our third point and really our only point for today. We will try to finish this passage next week. And it's the third element or third prerequisite in fulfilling our commission as a church. Number three, my submission. My submission. Verse 18. I'll draw your attention to that verse where Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Oh, if you think about that, all authority 
in heaven, on earth, is given. That's staggering. Think about that. We talk about Jesus being Lord. All authority. That is the kind of potentate we do not quite understand this side of eternity. That kind of power to us is, I would say, foreign. All authority in the heavens, on the earth, is his. He is here making a claim to supreme Sovereign authority. I need you to grasp this. Because too often we say the word Lord and forget what it implies behind it. He has all authority. This is a word, exuxia, which means he has privilege, he has rights, he has power, he has authority. Listen, this is what it means is the freedom to do whatever you wish. It is freedom without limitation. Think about that. And now I will ask you this question. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with Jesus having that kind of power, that kind of freedom without limitation? Now, I ask you to think about it, because at some point I'm going to remind you he's your Lord. And you have to be okay with the fact that he is free to do and choose whatever he wishes to. All we do is say amen. His authority has been put on display. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, he displayed authority over diseased, authority over sickness. In Matthew 8, 32, 12, 17, he displayed authority over demons, authority over death. In John chapter 11 with Lazarus, Luke 7 with the widow's son, uh, Jairus' daughter in Luke chapter 8. In Matthew 7, at the end of the uh, Sermon on the Mount, after he had given that incredible sermon, the people, all they could say was that he spoke as one having authority. Never had they heard a rabbi, a seed, ever speak with the authority that he himself had. He had authority to commission He commissioned 12, then he commissioned 70, and now he's commissioning 500. Authority. He has authority that allows him to take the title deed to the earth and take possession of the world and the universe and all men. Revelation chapter 5. Folks, that is authority. Revelations 11 verse 15 says, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Authority. 
where did he get it? Is there a scene, is there somewhere where we actually see this transfer of authority? You know I'm going to say yes, right? Daniel chapter 7. We're going to read two verses. Daniel has this vision and in this vision, calls it a night vision. In this vision he sees it happen. Let me read to you. I saw in the night vision and behold with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. Well, you know who that is, right? Jesus, the incarnate God. And he came to the ancient of days. God the Father, Yahweh, Elohim. And was pre uh, presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, all nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. He has given all dominion, all authority, all power, all privilege, all the kingdoms. Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me. You see, the job was finished. The task had been completed. Redemption had been accomplished. The resurrection was the proof that God had accepted it. And Jesus says, I have all authority. In John chapter 5, he says that the Father had given all authority to the Son. In Isaiah chapter 9, you have a little passage that reminds us that the government, and the idea is the universal government is upon his shoulders. And then, as if, no pasa nada, as we say in Spanish, like, it's no problem here, folks. Go disciple. Now, it is a far-reaching, I would even say, yes, almost paralyzing to many, the thought of making disciples. I think... Those, that small group of 500 must have quivered at the thought of what was being said. You know, I don't know if you still remember when Google Earth was a new thing. And I, I've done my share of travels, and I'm sure many of you here have. But when Google Earth came, I was able to go to places I had never been. So I started traveling whenever I had. And I go to Google, that was so cool, right? It's like, me and I, I can, I can see the, the wall of China, you know, the Great Wall of China. Oh, I can see that, you know? And, and islands in the Pacific and go live. My brother-in-law at the time lived in Guam, so I went over to Guam like, oh, I bet you that's his house down there, you know? Do you understand to a people that had probably never left Galilee, They didn't even know what the world was. 
They didn't know all the nations. They, they had a very limited idea of what earth and its population was. Go, he says, disciple all nations. And that, that seems staggering to me right now, and I think I have a basic idea, thanks to the uh, you know, different means, what that means. I, I'll never forget, ever, ever, ever forget my flight from uh, Miami to, uh, Montevi- uh, to uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina. My wife and I were on our way to our first missionary post. In, in Uruguay. And oh, my, my heart, our hearts were just so thrilled that we were going to be able to go be missionaries. And we got on that plane and it just went on and on and on. And I kept looking out the window and there was land down there. And at night you could see lights. And I'm thinking, that's a lot of people. This is a big place. And my perspective of the world, that day I remember took a bit of a chance. It reached the world. I was like, that was my goal. My goal, I was going to reach the world. Boy, did the world get big that day. <laughs> On that plane, too much. And then we had to take another one. B.A. over to Montevideo. Imagine them when they heard this. It seemed difficult. It seems difficult to us. Imagine what it seemed like to them. It's almost as though he set them up to fail, is it not? Like he set them up to fail. I mean transportation, knowledge. How are they going to do this? But no, not only did they not fail, but shortly into the uh, book of Acts, it says that they had transformed upside down the world. They were not afraid. He had such authority Listen to me. They had no choice but to obey. So it isn't a question of emotion. I'm not, you know, often as missionaries we would go to church and it seemed like I was always having to emotionally get people engaged into missions until I realized this isn't a question of emotion. This is a question of submission. Submission. I'm going to, Come back around to that question I asked you earlier. All authority, he says, heaven and earth has been given unto me. I'll ask you again, are you okay with that? Because you need to ask yourself the question, what does he want me to do? So let me close the passage. Let me close this message. We had communion. We'll be doing a bit of a mother's thing, and I don't want to carry it on. 
But I want to point out to you a little bit of what's coming for next week. Let me just draw your attention to verse 19. Verse 19 says, therefore, or uh, then, then. Although I was always taught, when you, the, when you see a therefore, ask yourself, what's a therefore? <laughs> what's a therefore? But uh, it's, the word is then. Then, therefore, so what do you do with that? The then means since. Since all authority has been given unto me, Jesus says, since I'm in charge, you're to do this. But let's be honest, folks. The idea of making disciples of all nations, we see it as an option. I never saw it as an option. From the day I became a Christian, I, I don't usually tell people that because they freak out, you know. They're like, really? You heard from God the day you got saved? And the answer is yes, I did. Day I got saved, I knew he was telling me to go and preach the gospel to my family in Colombia. I knew that. I heard it. Then it took him, or I should say, it took me about somewhere no less than 15 days, no more than 15 days. I got to John chapter 15 as I was reading the gospels every day. I was reading the Gospel of John, and it said, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that you should go forth and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit shall remain. And that whatsoever ye ask of me in my name, I will give it you, and I understood perfectly. I knew exactly what he was saying. He was saying, remember about 15 days ago I said, go? And I said, I will go. And I had no idea what I was saying. I didn't grow up in a Christian church. I never went to Sunday school. I never met a Christian that I know of till just a few weeks earlier in that place where I was working. I had no idea, no idea what I was saying yes to. When I say I had no idea, I want you to understand, I had no idea. You can't say, well, I'm sure in Sunday school someone told me. No, never, not once. Not once did I ever go to Sunday school. I had these Protestant neighbors. What is wrong with you? Why would I want to go back to school? I try to get away from it on Friday night. Why would I want to go back on Sunday? Never, ever did I ever go to Sunday school. I never met a Protestant. You couldn't. You had to, you know, if you met a Protestant, oh, you know. God said, go, and I said, here I am. I said, okay, you chose me. I get it. Let's go. I don't know what that means, but let's just do it. I figured, I'm going to be a monk the rest of my life. That's all right, Lord, whatever, whatever. I'm just grateful you saved me. You know what? I get it that there are some that maybe hear that call a little clearer. Maybe they have a bit more of a commitment because they're meant to. 
But you can't say to me, this is something that is only meant for some. There were 500 there. He didn't pick out the 12. He didn't pick out the women. He said it to all of them. Go. Disciple the nations. And we take it as, eh, we, pray, we pay him to do it. Well, may I remind you, you don't. But anyway, that's besides the point. Disciple the nations. Why am I supposed to do it? Well, because he's in charge. You just said he has all authority. You just said that he has got all you saviors, that he is the potentate, that you're okay with that. And he then says, then go disciple the nations. The Great Commission, the mission of the church then, is grounded on three attitudes. The attitude of availability, worship, and submission. So am I really available? Am I really worshiping? Do I, do I have a single focus? Am I submissive to the call to do it? So that when I find a command, any command... I simply say, I am eager to obey it, Lord. He rules over the earth and heaven. He rules over the physical and the spiritual. He rules over men and angels, holy angels, fallen angels. He rules over Satan himself. He controls disease. He controls circumstances. He controls the winds, the waves. He forgives sins. It's all under his control. And when he says we are to do this or that, then we are simply to do it. And that makes us, or takes us, I should say, to our fourth element, which we're going to look at this verse 19, is where we find this, he says. Disciple all nations. Disciple, it's actually, as I said, it's a verb, but it calls for obedience. The question is, how are we to do it? How do you do this? This seems such an immense task. Did he really give us instructions? And the answer is, he did. He left us three participles. As you're going, baptizing and teaching. And when we figure those out, we go, oh, okay, well, we got our marching orders. Let's just do it. Let's just get it done. The mission is not to wait until the world shows up. I had a pastor that I had been put to work with here in Spain, actually, he was a Spaniard. And um, we were talking about evangelism, and I, I felt, it was, you know, you and you knew, you know, you always feel like you know more. You know, you're a young kid, you're idealist, you know, you can do what you can eat it. Or, I said to him, evangelism, let's go save some 
were these wretched sinners? His answer to me was, the doors of the church are open. They can come in whenever they want. And I knew that was wrong. I, I knew that answer was wrong right off the bat. I thought, what kind of a shepherd are you? What do you mean the doors of the church are open? The commission of the church is not to wait until the world shows up. The commission of the church is to go to the world. And Jesus said to us, and in building that church, the gates of hell will not prevail against. That is a promise. That takes all fear away. My submission is to his authority. Now you can get up, walk out, and say that was a good sermon, or not. Not. Or you can get up and walk out and say, well, you know, again, we pay him for that. Okay. Or not. Or you can get up and say, no one pointed to me something so simple. You see, I've said this to you before, I will say it to you again, all that I have known come to Christ come for selfish reasons. I'm going to stand out here on the limb and I'm going to say all of you have come to Jesus who are born again in God. You've all come to him for selfish reasons. Me first. I didn't want to go to hell. That's a good enough reason for me, I thought. I don't want to go to hell. It scared the death. Like, it scared me. The ground, you talk about that one song you guys were singing. The ground was shaking. My ground was shaking, literally. I thought the ground was going to open up and swallow me in that factory. I just said, no, no, I don't want to go there. Yes, I, forgive me. I, I confess. Please save me. If you don't think that's selfishness, I can't think of what is. Some of you have come to Jesus because you were sick and he healed you. And you say, oh, I like that. I want more. That's selfishness. Some of you came to Jesus because somebody died and you were scared. Some of you came to Jesus because you had a financial problem. Somebody prayed for you. Things got better. You oh, I like that. Can we keep that going? I don't know what brought you, but it's probably selfishness. Not ready for this? It's okay. It's okay. However you got there, it's okay. But when you get there, you're supposed to understand is Lord. He's not a rabbit's foot. He's not your good luck charm. You know, he's not your, um, what do y'all, the Irish call that little treble thing, you know, the a shamrock. He's not your shamrock. You know, he, he's, he's, not, he, he's not a shoe, shoe, horse, shoe horse thing. He is Lord. Do you understand that? So every time you do what you want to do, you're disobeying. And every time you choose not to do what he wants you to do, you're disobeying. 
And that can't be good. Every time I disobeyed my parents, I got in trouble. But when I was little. I get it that I became a horrible teenager, but hey, that's what saved me, right? What is a disciple? Well, if you're a disciple, then you have a Lord. If you have a Lord, then you have a commitment to obey what he tells you to do. So I'm not talking to you emotionally. I'm trying to simply draw out from Scripture that you have to submit to his authority. Choose to, the blessings will flow. Let's stand and pray. We'll finish through to this next week. Father, it indeed has been years of thinking and perhaps living out this passage and wanting always to share it and wondering when the time was. Did you give us this house or a lighthouse? Did you give us this house for us to have potluck meals or as an ark? May we hear the voice of your spirit speaking into our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the ministry of the International Christian Assembly, a ministry of AMG Spain and AMG International. For more information, please visit our website at www.icatorrevieja.org. This audio file is not copyrighted.